0: and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Well, welcome, Ed. We have a really interesting episode today because we're launching a new club. It's so exciting. It's yeah. so exciting. And,
1: and it, right now, it only has two members. But you've got to do your, your
0: NPR voice. It is so It's so exciting. It's so exciting. Uh, But we're so excited. So a number of months back, six months or so ago, Corey and I started Book Club. Right. we've had our Book Club episodes where we talk about Catholic novels.
1: And I like those. I've read a couple of them.
0: Yeah. But you've been sitting on the sidelines Uh, maybe having a little bit of uh, club envy.
1: I want a club.
0: Uh, You wanted a club. So I thought, man, what we'll do is we'll start, because you and I have always watched movies. As long as I've known you, we love movies. Corey's not really a movie guy. Right. I love Corey. He's a book guy but he's not really a movie guy. Right. And uh, you and I are a little bit more like pop culture, you know, right. folks. And we can sort of dial into sitting in the movie theater, eating a giant tub of popcorn and watching a good movie, which right. we've done, we've spent untold hours doing. And we actually did a movie review on the podcast when we did the movie review The Summer of Father Stu. Right. And so after that we were like, we should do more Catholic movies. So right. henceforth from this point onward, Ed and I have movie club and we're going to bring that to all of you listeners we're going to talk about classic catholic movies and if there's any new catholic movies that pop up like fathers do we'll do those But from time to time we're going to talk about classic catholic movies today we're going to kick off with what i consider to be one of the greatest of all catholic movies of the last you know 50 hundred years uh, and that is the mission 1986 film Robert Mm -hmm. De Niro, Jeremy Irons, and a Liam Neeson who looks twenty years old, right? Right, and it's actually been recognized. It won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, which Mm -hmm. is like you know the whatever the highest prize at the Cannes Film Festival in '86. It won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography, and I remember when it came out. I was in seminary. Give people a sense of how old I am, but you know, it has been recognized. It was a big film. And a lot of people in churches, not just Catholic churches, love the movie because of its religious or Christian themes in general. Right. And it's listed on every kind of, you know, Catholic film list. In fact, the Vatican has a list of, on some part of its website or something, Catholic films, and it's listed as one of the 15 Catholic films that the Vatican points to. Right. And I love this movie. I've seen this movie dozens and dozens of times over the years. In fact. Way back, you and I were talking before we started recording, way back when I was, uh, before I was Catholic and when the movie came out in the late 80s through the 90s, early 2000s when I was doing student ministry, I used to show this movie, you know, I'd invite people over to my house or whatever and uh, for ministry groups, Bible studies, and I'd show the movie and then we'd talk about it, did that with college students. Right. And I always thought, man, we got to watch this, this is going to be great. And it was always interesting when we turned it off, their reactions, because a lot of them didn't like it yeah, yeah I, uh, I mean i've that. had a lot of people over to my house and i you know we set up popcorn or whatever and we show this i'm gonna show you and this they, they intentionally came for a bible study we're gonna have a christian film night and i show it uh, i used to show it and and when i was over i turned the lights back on with all these you know university students or whatever and i go what do you think and about half of them were like didn't get it. Didn't like it. Right. And like, why are you so into this? Because <laughs> we di- we aren't. And I think that for me, when it first came out and I first saw it, I was so attracted to the vision and the themes and what was going on in this film. Of course, I was an evangelical as Protestant. I I think it was the Catholicism in it that I think at that point I was already on a road to yeah. Rome without knowing it. And, and I, I didn't know, I didn't have the vocabulary to explain what was going on in the film. And, and, you know, cause I just didn't have the Catholic vocabulary yet, but I was like that, that, whatever that is, that that's like right. kind of a vision of Christianity that I'm really attracted to. And it's only now in retrospect that I can sort of look back at that and go, I was drawn to the Catholicism in it, even though I didn't really at that time completely understand Right. That it was, you know, what the Catholicism was. And I think that that was exactly what repelled a lot of my, yeah. you know, people that came over for Bible studies and Catholic, you know, or film, you, know, you know, Christian film night or whatever is because they were turned off by the Catholicism of the movie. So all that being said, you had never seen the movie. So we got right. together and had a pizza last week and I said, we're going to start movie club. And the first one we're going to start with is the mission and uh, let's rent it and watch it. So you rented it and watched it the other yep. night. And you are now gonna tell us what you thought. Well, first of all, well, I've been talking too much. First of all, let's summarize the film real quick. Yeah. You gotta get a word in edgeways here. Real quick, for those of you who have not seen it, this movie's been around 40 years. Here's the gist of it. It occurs in the in the 1750s in South America, a little kind of corner where Argentina and Paraguay sort of meet and Brazil meet. And at that time, the Spanish and the Portuguese were the two you know, nations or empires that sort of owned that area. And mm-hmm. the Spanish territory bumped up against the, para- the uh, Portuguese territory, right, in, in these, this, this region. And the Spanish, at that time, slavery was technically illegal mm-hmm. uh, under the Spanish crown. But in Portugal, slavery was legal. And so what was happening is they were contending over this region because under the Portuguese, the slave traders could could capture these Indians Mm -hmm. and the Spanish, they couldn't. So uh, there was this big complicated thing about real life, Treaty of Madrid, all this sort of thing about who would own this territory up in the mountains in South America. And uh, meanwhile, the Jesuit missionaries had built a series of missions up in the mountains and to reach the indians and as long as these indians were sort of under the protection of the jesuit missionaries in these missions the the portuguese couldn't capture them and make them slaves because if they're christians and they're part of the missions right right so all this political pressure is brought to bear in europe between spain and portugal the church is caught in the middle what is it going to do And the gist of the film, that's what the film is about, is in the end, the um, Portuguese go up there and they wipe out the mission and capture, you know, try to capture the natives. Now, in the film, there is uh, Jeremy Irons, who is the Jesuit superior Mm -hmm. there. It's the kind of top Jesuit priest. Right. And he's kind of running this. He's got a number of others. And uh, he sort of established the mission really great. And then there's the Robert De Niro character, who is a mercenary and a slave trader. Well, what ends up happening, of course, is, uh, of course, but he ends up um, murdering his own brother in an argument over a woman. And he's then distraught by that. He's been arrested, uh, technically, actually, because it was a duel. He's, you know, free to go, but he's, he wants to die because he killed his own brother. Jeremy Irons, the Jesuit priest, comes to him and says, well, you can do a penance. And the penance is, well, he ends up, you can describe what happens pretty quick, right. cool, but he ends up having to go up and help serve the mission and serve the Indians, which he was formerly a slave trader to. Mm-hmm. And the course of that he sort of goes through the life change. He himself becomes a Jesuit priest. Right. And after he becomes a Jesuit priest, uh, things are going well up in the mission. And then that's when the Portuguese army comes in to wipe out the mission. And then these two priests, Jeremy Irons and Robert De Niro, they both have to decide how they're going to react. Robert De Niro wants to revert to his old ways, right? find his armor, find his weapons, train yeah. the Indians, lead them to resist violently, um, you know, to expel the Portuguese who are trying to kill them. Jeremy Irons says, no, we have to be true to Christ, and if we're to be martyred, we're to be martyred. And in the end, they both die very different deaths. Robert De Niro dies a violent death fighting right. the people trying to destroy the Indian missions. And Jeremy Irons dies leading you know, mass and a, uh, adoration and, a, you know, right. uh, and and dies as a martyr. And so one is left at the end of the film going, who made the right decision? So right. anyway, I've been talking for like 10 minutes. I'm right. done. You saw the film. You
1: talk now. Well- you know, uh, you talked about seeing it when you were younger and some people not liking it and and not having, you know, not being a Catholic, you didn't really have even like a vocabulary for how to talk about this. If I had seen this movie, you know, even two or three or four years ago, I would have thought, oh, come on, you know, uh, why does Robert De Niro have to do this pen, as horrible penance and why... Why couldn't you just this or that, you know, and why would you, why would you volunteer to suffer? You know, what's, what's wrong with you? What kind of religion is that? You know, and I've lived in the, but in the Protestant world, it's sort of a culture of more and more and more and more lately, a culture of winning, a culture of blessing, you know, um, the, uh, I have plans for you to prosper. Everyone's got that, that verse up on their, you know, up on their wall but the, the definition of prosperity in now that I understand Catholicism better, it, it feels like the Catholic definition of prosperity is different. And how am I, you know, so as it relates to the movie, these, these men were the priest, Jeremy Irons, the, the head guy. Um, he was giving himself away for this. And in, <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I, if this is really a thought just struck me, so maybe it's wrong. Yeah. get cards and letters. Um, but in, in the Protestant world, the missionaries are the ones who do that, but nobody else. Right. Like giving things up for God. Well, you don't have to do that. God is here to bless you. Right. So the moving, the big moving scene for me, <clears throat> excuse me, was. De Niro is, uh, the, you know, the guy who kills his brother, and he's obviously now feeling remorse for all the things he's done. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm just a bad guy, right? So Jeremy irons the priest his the penance he assigns him is to bundle up this armor, his armor, in in a big net, and tie a rope around his shoulders, around his neck and his shoulders, and he has to drag this thing all the way to the mission.
0: Way up in the mountains. Way up in the mountains. He's got to climb jungle. a
1: cliff and a
0: jungle and all that stuff. And it's all like something from Dante, right? I mean, he's, he's got this right. giant, you know, 400-pound thing of, you know, metal and armor banging behind him and he's trying to climb his way up these mountain cliffs and,
1: and he's, jungle. And he's determined to do it, I think, obviously, in the, in the movie because he just feels like I have to do something to, to say I'm sorry. I have to, you know. And so he's... And at one point, uh, the, the, the priest played by Liam Neeson cuts it loose from him because he can't stand it anymore and thinks that, that uh, De Niro has done enough. And De Niro goes, it, the thing splashes back down on the river and he goes down there and he ties it around his neck again and he climbs up. And when he gets to the top, he's exhausted. And uh, these natives who live in the mission now. Who- oh,
0: before you tell that story, when he does, he, so the one, as you said, the Liam Neeson character, who is one of the Jesuits, you know, right. cuts him free. And he says to Jeremy Irons, the Jesuit superior, yeah. he goes, he's done enough. Right. And Jeremy Irons says, until he believes he's done enough. Right. He, the penance isn't over. And, and I just want to say something real quick about that, because it, it, it you know, when I saw it and as a Protestant. And then I showed it to so many Protestants, they didn't get it. And I can understand it more. And I think this is really the nature of penance. Right. So I, I think that from the Protestant standpoint, you go, well, you know, isn't enough that he just sort of accepts Jesus says he's sorry. And then right. can move on, move on. And Jeremy Aaron says, he's got to be a penance hard enough for him to feel. And this goes to the issue of what penance is, right? Like, so I went to confession yesterday. I go into the, you know, and I, I, I have, you know, make my confession and then the priest gives me absolution. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Then he gives me penance. And, right. and and I think it's, it's important that absolution comes before the penance. So I don't have to go out and do these things, come, right. report back to the priest and say, right. okay, I did my assignments. Now you can, you, can I be forgiven? I'm forgiven. But the penance is on the back side of that because there's a sense in which, in, in a sense in which penance is medicinal. Right. Right. So we've talked about this. You know, many times the difference in the, pod, in the podcast we've talked about, difference between salvation and sanctification, right? right. And that we're saved only by, you know, the grace right. of Christ. But we're sanctified, we're made holy, we cooperate in that, right? Right? And, and maybe another way to think of that is, you know, forgiveness and, and healing, you know, to right. heal my soul. It's, there's a medicinal quality. So after I left the confessional, I was assigned a penance and I went and did my penance. And in a sense, I I think it's interesting. What uh, father asked me to do was there was a particular Bible passage. He wanted me to spend some time reflecting on. Mm -hmm. And, and I, so when I did that, I realized that this is not a, this is, this was medicinal in a sense. Right. Father wanted me to dwell in this passage. You know, right. from scripture and in a sense to have some healing and to, to let some things go. And so anyway, I think that's I just wanted to interrupt there only because I think that that whole part of the film where he's dragging the armor up into the right. jungle and he's doing this kind of thing. It's almost kind of crazy from Dante, this sort of extreme penance. And that's the part that so many Protestants couldn't relate to in the film. I think it's a wonderful illustration and it had to be hard. Jeremy Irons says it has to be hard enough for him to believe that God has forgiven him.
1: Right, and I would not have understood that two years ago and I would have thought that this was a perfect example of a Catholic working his way to his self, working his salvation, working for his salvation. And I understand that difference now.
0: Now you said when they finally get to the top and he comes dragging the armor into the Indian village, you right. were going to.
1: Okay. So, so, uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I I've been waiting and it's never happened for the priest to give you a penance of buying me another pizza. That would be <laughs> like, I think you should buy Ed a pizza That's right. Poor guy. Um, so he, see, he gets to the top and, and these, uh, these tribesmen come out and they know who he is. They, they've watched him steal some of their fellow tribesmen right and they have every reason to hate him and every reason to want him dead but they've been converted and and one of the guys runs over with his knife to to de niro who is now so exhausted he can just sit there plus he won't defend himself because he thinks there's no defense for what he he's done and the native uh, Jeremy Irons says, no, 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 no. Somebody's going to go over there and stop the guy. And, and Irons says, no, 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 just let it play out. And the guy goes over there and instead of killing De Niro, which I think is what the De Niro's character expected, it's like, okay, well, here it comes, right? Instead, he cuts the, uh, the burden free. He cuts the ropes from the guy as if to say, we forgive you. We, we know what you did, but that's not how we are anymore. And De Niro's character just sits and sobs and then, and then so did i sitting there in the living room like i'm looking out the the neighbors can the neighbors see this you know um it was an extremely uh moving moment it's a, just a beautiful picture of forgiveness
0: well yeah and the way that as you say there's a the, the dynamic there that he cuts the indian cuts that armor free then in a sense this is him going to the people he's wronged when we whenever we sin We sin against God ultimately, but I also, so if I, if I bonk you in the head and take your car keys, right. Right. If I lift your wallet, I've sinned against God, but I've also sinned against you. And there's a sense in which God can forgive me. Right. But I also need to be reconciled to you. And there's a sense in which I hope that you will forgive me. I mean, this is a part of, you know, those people have been through the 12 step program. Right. Right. I can't remember which one of the steps it is because I've never been through it, but I understand right. that, that part of that process is you go out and find the people that you have wronged and try to seek their forgiveness. Right? right, And so in a sense, at that point, the De Niro character has been absolved by God. He's done this penance to show, to work off in a sort of medicinal way, work off a sense right. of his own personal guilt. But then when he gets to the Indians and the Indian, and that's just the dr- drama, cuts the thing you know, cuts the, the right. rope and takes all of his armor and his weapons and everything. And it hurtles down some right. cliff into the water that the Indians in a sense have not only forgiven him, but cut loose right. that part of his life, right. cut loose his
1: sin. his right. right. sin of has it. been cast into the, into the river. Yeah. And not to see it anymore. I would not, it, it was a foreign thought to me. When you and I went and saw Father Stu, mm-hmm. he, he meets this beautiful young woman and he, she wants to marry him. And then he decides to become a priest. And I thought, this guy is out of his mind. This is a true story. Look at that woman. Why couldn't you could have it all? You could just be a Protestant minister. What's the matter with you? You could be a Protestant minister. And then, you know, he gets sick and he's going to not live very long. And he has a good attitude about it. And I'm thinking, I maybe a case could be made that I've suffered in my life. I don't know. But I've never thought, oh, good. Or, This is God doing something in me. I'm always trying to get out from underneath it, right? And so this is just such a different thing. So whoever would lose his life, save his life, must lose it. And blessed are the poor and blessed are you when you're persecuted. That's all sort of, that's fairly new territory for me. I don't, I never hear that talked about. I've never, i rarely heard that talked about in, in Protestant sermons or anything. Right. right. We didn't all sit around saying, Hey, how are you persecuted today? Or how was, you know?
0: Right. And, and I think there's, there's two dim- dimensions to this. One is, you know, we can talk about doctrinal differences between Catholics and Protestants on this, but we can also sort of talk about um, a pastoral approach, right. Or a discipleship approach because there's a sense in which the evangelical Protestant mindset, so embraces the freedom that Christ brings, which he does, and Catholics don't disagree with that, right? But it sort of quickly leaps to, uh, that's in my past, right? Right. And for those of you who are listening, going, wait a minute, are you saying the Catholics don't? Oh, just hold on, let me finish, right? Right. That, for example, that why, do, why do Catholics have crucifixes which has the corpus, the body of Jesus hanging from it, and Protestants have empty crosses, right? And what Protestants want to emphasize in that is the cross is empty because there has been a once and for all payment of our sins and now the suffering of Christ is sort of in the rear view mirror, as are my sins, and I'm dwelling on the forgiveness side of that. In Catholicism, there is that reflection on the sufferings of Christ that you see not only every time you look at a crucifix, when you look at the, when we do the stations of the cross and Lent, right there's always that sense of innocence being united with Christ in his suffering, which is, which is completely scriptural. So, you know Paul says, "I want to be united with Christ in his suffering so that I 'll be united right. with him in his life." and there's a sense in which Again, I'm not even trying to make a doctrinal point about this, but sort of a pastoral point that that notion of sort of carrying a cross, being being one right. with Christ in His suffering, in a sense bearing those. I mean, look at look at the ultimate Catholic saints. You know, Saint Francis of Assisi and uh, right. uh, you know Padre P or whatever they bore the stigmata right? The marks of, of Christ on their, right. on their body, right? So the, the nail marks of Christ, you know, in them. Right. And that, that's that identification. You never hear a Protestant say, I have the stigmata, or You know, that that would right. be a sign of whatever, because it, why would I do that? Why would I be bound to that? So you're right. There's something profoundly Catholic in all of this of, of wanting to enter into suffering
1: well, you said to me when when you were buying me a pizza last week, even though a priest, up even the pizza though a thing. priest didn't <laughs> tell you to, or even suggested, see, I did. See, I did it not
0: as a penance, not because I had to, because I wanted to. Oh, so okay.
1: I'm a river to my people. Ed. <laughs> I laughed about that over and over. Okay. Anyway, you said that we were talking about suffering and bearing up under it, and you said, "Well, it's like the um, you didn't." reference this scripture verse, but it's like, you know, if nobody, any father who loves his, his child will discipline that child. And it's like, God's trusting you enough to give you suffering. It's a gift. The, uh, I'll put a plug in for the blog in case any of you listeners are not listening, are not reading the blog. There's some some stuff there. A lot
0: of great stuff that Ed writes and Corey, write.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I I just did a, I just did a blog post, uh, 10 things I like about being Catholic. and One of them was, uh, I'm, not, I'm not that I'm, I think I'm about, about Catholicism. I am not yet a Catholic. Um, and one of them was that in the Protestant church, they're always telling me I'm okay. Right. But I always have this nagging feeling that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> that doesn't mean I'm not okay. But I think what I'm seeing in Catholicism is this. Yes, you may be okay. And the blood of Jesus covers you. And yes, but you shouldn't just assume it. I need to think about it and I need to be, it strikes me that the penance would help me to understand the the gravity of sinning and not just say, well, yeah, but Jesus' blood covers it. So, hey, I'm good. Uh, it's a little more serious and weighty than that. Yeah. Uh, I would not have, I just, again, I just would not have seen or understood that three or four years ago. So what else struck you about the film? I, okay, I I did struggle a little bit with the Catholic hierarchy in the movie seeming to just uh, to not care about what happened to these people at the mission. And I know that the cardinal who, in the movie had a terrible time with it and really wrestled with it, but in the end, he rubber-stamped what it was that his bosses were telling him to do, knowing that it would bring misery to these people, and I struggled with that. It was kind of like the old uh, my old Protestant dismissal of Catholicism as just being this giant hierarchy where, and and, and in the end, I understood as I thought about it later after the movie, I thought, well, okay, look, there was probably not a whole lot the church could have done. This was being done. The people who came in and, and in the end at the and, and, and destroyed the mission weren't the Catholics. These right. were the, the Portuguese. They were the ones doing wrong, not the Catholics. And it wasn't Spain, but that I struggled a little bit with that. Yeah. Was-
0: yeah. And that's a, a common reaction to this, this film. And, and I, I just <clears throat> want to address it. Cause we, we could go for half an hour onto the history of this whole thing. And you know, the 1750s, like all history and all periods was super complicated. I mean, you know, you were in the, think about what's going on in the 1750s. You know, this is the ramp up to the American Revolution, almost to the, you know, 20 years short of that. Uh, So 1758 when the events took place. So 18 years before the American Revolution, right? For the French Revolution, you know. Yep. uh, You know, another five years, six years later. And so, you know, Europe is is in this, you know, complete uh, kind of meltdown, cauldron of politics and war. And the church is not in a strong position in Europe, in the 17th, mid mid eighteenth century, uh, in the French Revolution, the, the church would you know be de- devastated in France. You know, um, you know, priests killed, churches burned, right? You know, the desecration. Right. You know, Napoleon went and and. Uh, captured the Vatican and arrested the Pope and, you know, put him in exile, you know? So the church was not in a strong position and the politics of the day were very, very complicated. And essentially a war was going to start between the portuguese and the spanish right the the the, the church is in the middle and if and if you know as and i think the film does portray as you said the cardinal who's sort of a papal um ambassador he right. like it or whatever that you know he's in this difficult position because he's got to do what he's going to do otherwise the portuguese are going to simply wipe out all of the churches and the catholic church is right. you know going to be decimated so what is what do you do yeah uh, unless the catholic You know, priests are going to take up arms and that's exactly what some of them did in the end of the film. right? Right. So De Niro and Liam Neeson and a couple of these other guys decide to take up arms and fight. But short of them taking up arms and fighting, I think that was the essence of the film. What are they supposed to do? Right. Jeremy Irons' character gathers, you know, the Indians and the church up in the mountains, and they they have mass and right. adoration. They're going to have a eucharistic procession, and they're going to and they're going to accept death joyfully as martyrs. Right. And and some of the priests decide to take up arms, literally take up weapons and fight the Portuguese back. But you know, the church was in a terrible you know situation, and I think that's one of the reasons why. I've always liked the film and I've liked showing the film to groups and then turn the lights on and have a discussion because you go, well, okay, today, now, you know, 300 years later, it's not those sets of issues, but the church is in caught in some very, very complicated positions in the world. You know, we think about the United States, whether it's abortion or it's euthanasia or it's, you know, the LGBTQ gender or whatever else it is. But I mean, there's parts of the world, China, you know, repressive parts of the world uh, where the church is in very, very difficult situations and the politics of it are very, very difficult. And I'm not, you know, making an excuse for it all. But I think what it does is it, the film is an occasion to say, well, how do we handle right. and how should the church and how should Christians act when these kinds of things are going on? Uh, what should the church have done during right. World War II? um when the the nazis you know were rounding up the jews well in reality uh, the the church hit a lot of them we're going to talk about the sound of music as one of our movie club yeah. movie and right and the classically the nuns take the distributor wires off the thing at the end of the movie right and help right. the van trap family escape over the mountains right there were jews that were hit in the vatican the the church did right. uh, some churchmen didn't some and 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 uh, a whole other story when we get into that. A lot of uh, church people, churchmen, a lot of the hierarchy were involved in uh, resistance movements uh, against Hitler. And, yeah. and so um, the only point I'm trying to make is I think the film illustrates that the church is going to find itself in these difficult, difficult quandaries at different points in history. Right. And the, not only is the church sort of hierarchy <laughs> going to have to decide how to wrestle with that, but we as individual Christians. At times, you're going to have to decide,
1: what do we do? Right. It now occurs to me, oh, I have a horrible thought. I'm going to have to watch The Sound of Music, if, <laughs> if, and then those songs are going to be stuck They'll in my stuck head. In your head, yes, because um, they've been in my head all my life. That's you right. can't get away from them. Okay. A, another thing entirely. Yep. Jeremy Irons was he he risks his life to to approach these natives because a a a, form, a former priest had gone there and they had killed him. Mm-hmm. So he, but he, but he starts this mission now it's years, it's years later. And he's not only taught them how to be Christians, but he's taught them cultural European things. They're singing European music and they're playing European instruments and so forth. And the popular uh, approach to this is uh, the cultural approach to this. I think nowadays is, well, why would you want to bring that, right. Why do you have to Colonial bring that culture listen. to them? Yeah. yeah. Why, why do you have to bring, yeah, why can't you just cultural colonialism? Yeah. yeah why can't, and, I, and I, as I watched, I thought, well, okay, but two things. These are good things that they brought. Uh, the music is good. Uh, I would make a case that it was better than the music they were making, whatever it was, higher, I think it was. Also, but it was also a way in. To Catholicism for them. It was something to, uh, that, that they could yeah. attach to. And I ended up thinking, well, I, I guess I don't have a problem with it.
0: So, I mean, I'm so glad you brought this up. You know, what, what the film reflects was a period in history, and I hope that it's not gone, in which for, I don't know, 1900 years, the, the church was confident. That in its culture, and, and it was bringing that culture to the world, the, the church had confidence at teaching, you know, reading and writing and music and organizing right. things and, and bringing the church had something to offer to the world. It was that, that synthesis. And, and for those who would say, well, all you're doing is bringing white Europeanism. I mean, I just would smack back at that argument. Look, the, the Catholicism is always has always been a synthesis. That's what it means to be Catholic, universal. Right. You know, I open this podcast every episode by saying, you know, 20 centuries, 24 right. time zones, right? Two hemispheres, people from every tribe, you know, language, nation. That's Catholicism. So Catholicism isn't, you know, 17th century Belgian culture. Right. It is the... Amalgamation, if that's a word, right? right? The cumulative culture that goes all the way back to the first century in Palestine and Syria and Asia Minor and the the Romans right. and the Greeks and all of those things that have been added. And what you really have in in Catholic culture and those those missionaries, you know, the Jesuit missionaries went into China and Japan and all around the world, and for hundreds and you know centuries and centuries spread. This Catholic civilization, which really is a, a civilization of, made up of, of the accumulation of 2,000 right. years of, of cultures and peoples. And so the church was confident that it had something to offer. And there's a line in there when the, the Portuguese are coming and whatnot that uh, one of the Indians says, we came out of the jungle into the mission because the devil is in the jungle. And, yeah. we, and, and God brought us to the mission to, to bring us into light. Right. And, you know, that, that moved me and that's, that's, that's what it was. Now, of course, all this is decried as cultural colonialism. And what you should do is leave them, you know, in the jungle.
1: What you, what you, what, what this argument comes down to, it seems to me, ultimately is that nothing is intrinsically better or more beautiful or more good or more true than anything else, that, that no music is better than all music, no matter who makes it or what they do. And then, you know, so what you end up with is like the drum circle at Venice beach that, that, <laughs> That's that right. people talk, I've, you know, my, uh, somebody was telling me about the drum circles at Venice beach. And one time when I was out touristing there, I saw a drum circle and I, I wandered over and watched for a while. And I thought, What a bunch of no talent. Oh, dude,
0: I I don't even have, boy, I don't have time on this podcast to talk about that. But there is a... place that I attended and was educated at was uh, the University of Colorado in Boulder. And Boulder, when I was there, was a hippie know, university. And I was studying philosophy at Boulder. And I remember sitting in graduate seminars in philosophy Uh, on a a warm day on the second floor of this building and outside are the hippie drum circles and the Hare Krishna is chanting Hare Hare Krishna Krishna and you know it's just a kind of crazy thing to be in that sort of synchristic environment and and trying to be doing Christian apologetics and I used to get it every day you know that uh, this kind of, uh, you know, moral relativism, cultural relativism. But, you know, the truth is, is that, you know, this movie I think does capture that that one time sense that the church had and the Jesuit missions had that they went, whether it's China or Japan or Paraguay or whatever or in Africa, right. and they they continued to push the boundaries of civilization out there. And I just reject flat out, reject the, uh, you know, we don't have time for this now, but just reject the sort of, um, you know, cultural and moral relativism that 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 would impugn
1: that so right and i'm not saying that that you can't get wonderful beautiful and good things out of any culture i'm not saying that but there was um beautiful things are beautiful things
0: yeah well and that's that's the point that's that synthesis of all of those civilizations and all those cultures and all those people
1: i don't think I have any other big thoughts about. Okay, this
0: movie. so I'm looking at the time. We're going to wrap this up here. I want to. I want to. I want to end with with two quick thoughts. You know, earlier we were saying that uh, you know the Indian kind of cut De Niro's armor loose and it falls into the river, which was symbolic of his right. sin being cut loose and tossed. But then when they hear that the soldiers, the army is coming back, De Niro decides to renounce his vows as a priest, and it's interesting because he goes back down to the river to get the armor. Right. And right. And so that, I mean, that's obviously, you know, clearly a a reference or an actual instance of him going back to his old life, his old sense, right. I'm going to go dredge that back up. I'm going to go take up the things that had been cut loose and rely on those again. And so I think there was just a real moment here that all of us have as Christians, whether it's Catholic or not as Christians, where we have to go at a certain point, how in as, as we progress in our discipleship, you know, where do we leave those things behind or where do we go back and rely on them. And then the other thing is of course, what the movie pose you know, leaves you with in the end and uh, the final scene is, is looking at these two men, you know, dying one dying. And you could say they both died as martyrs, but one died, you know, fighting, literally fighting and shooting right. and stabbing and killing uh, to defend Uh, the mission and the other died carrying a monstrance in a Eucharistic procession, you know, surrounded by, and I always was moved by the fact that when uh, the Jeremy Iron character falls, right? the Portuguese soldier shoots him. Right. And he drops the monstrance that an Indian picks it up and starts walking. And I remember um, showing this to a Protestant friend years ago and saying, because they didn't understand what a monstrance was. Right. And they go, like, what's this thing he's carrying, right? And right. they go, well, that's, you know, for Eucharist decoration. And and in it is is the consecrated host. That's right. literally Jesus. And so in the end, Jeremy Irons dies following, literally following Jesus and leading the Indians and following Jesus in this procession. Right. And And when he falls, the Indian picks it up and they continue to march right. behind Jesus right. until they're shot down. So you really have that sense of, the history of the church, the martyrs, uh, and how we face these times. And, 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 you know, you have to ask if you were in Nazi Germany, do you just, you know, deal with some martyrdom or do you take up arms and be part of the resistance? And that's why I think this film has always been so interesting because it raises these questions, uh, and it looks into these, has a profoundly Catholic take on them, but it raises universal questions for Christians and how we deal with our own sin, how we deal with, uh, you know opposition in this world, right? And and what it means to be a Christian and operate in a fallen world. So, yeah. the mission, nineteen eighty six. You can find it on Amazon and Netflix and you know Apple TV and all that. Just search for it. Uh, Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons, and uh, highly recommend the film.
1: So, if we are going to do the Sound of Music, could we like? I need to work up to it. Can we put a couple in between? Yeah, we can put a uh, couple in between. Okay, yeah, I I got to work you up to this. I got to prepare myself. I have to get my my ultimate earworm fix (laughs) is the song Lowrider by War. If you put that song, you know the song? low rounder. yeah i, I know yep. the song i just why
0: you're bringing this up in my at the end of this podcast <laughs>
1: because i need to prepare my, i need to listen to it over and over for like weeks before i get into the music oh coming. my gosh from we it. have a
0: lot you have a long way to go ed i know i yeah. know <laughs> all right okay all right hey, thanks a lot bye yep. thank you for listening my name is greg smith And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.